I then started visualizing with Christy, like every dive I did, no matter whether we were doing numbers or not, I would go up the platform how I would in a competition. And then I would say in my head, like right before I'm on 10 meter, before I walk up there, I like visualize someone going in my head before me, like they would in a competition. And then I would say, and we have a, a performer, his name's, or an announcer named Rod, Rod McCormick. And he's been around since I can remember. And he, I just hear his voice so clearly in my head. So I would hear like Selena Toth doing a 305C DD 2.8. And then I would, and it would be in his voice in my head. And then everybody would cheer. And then you'd hear the whistle. And then I would visualize me doing the dive. Right. And then I'd walk on to the platform. Yeah. And then I, Tommy would like call me down, like, yep, it's like 10 meter. And then I'd kind of, right before he say that, I kind of would do the same thing again one more time in my head so that when he's calling me, Rod's saying it, I'm walking to the end of the tower and I'm going. Welcome back or welcome to Me Search, a podcast brought to you by Mindset on Mobility. These conversations that we have on this podcast are intended to educate you, inspire you, and help you glean lessons from top performers. Today we're speaking with Selena Toth, a Canadian Olympic diver who recently competed at the Tokyo Games. Although She's recently made this first Olympic appearance. She has been representing Team Canada internationally for over a decade and has been incredibly successful. Talking to Selena was honestly such a pleasure and I'm so impressed with her insight, her willingness to share pieces of her life and performance, and of course hearing about her mental preparation and her walking us through really what she does to help her be at the level that she's at. And then I will just say, usually I follow up with each conversation with a few points. And I really wanted to talk today about visualization, but I think that topic can use an episode of its own because there's just so much to talk about. That'll be the next thing that comes out. Uh, But for now, here we go with Olympian, Team Canada diver, and all around just a really great person, Selena Toth. Hello. Good morning. Oh my God, we did it. <laughs> Thank you so much for doing this. Um, Thank you for asking me. This is awesome. Yeah, I'm like super excited. I have, uh, when you first agreed, I like, went and I like watched all your interviews. I like read all these articles about you. And then this morning I was like, oh shit, like I should go find all that prep work that I did for this. So, uh, <laughs> so hopefully it comes in handy. It might not. Um, so obviously I want to talk about your, um, Olympic journey. Um, and, and your, I think I read it was 17 years you've been competing in the sport of diving, which is Honestly, I mean, making it to the Olympics is incredible and competing on the world stage and anything is incredible. And why I was like really excited to talk to you is because 
this podcast is really about like chasing your dreams, like being resilient, showing grit, and really just like learning from people who emulate that, whether it be on the sports side or the business side or uh, or like the academic side, it, like it takes a lot to be a high performer. Um, so I'm just like excited to learn about you and hopefully, um, it, you will maybe, I'm going to maybe pick some pieces of like the prep that it took to be as great as you are, <laughs> uh, but, be be- awesome. but before, like, I guess before we go to this huge achievement that you just had being at the Olympics, um, I'm hoping to start maybe further back. Um, and I read online, you can correct me if I'm wrong, that you started diving when you were 12, mm-hmm. which to me seems late, but late. <laughs> so, and then I think I read that you were a gymnast before that. So I was hoping that you could just talk about maybe like your entrance into sport and your gymnastics career. And then really what took you out of that down this other trajectory, uh, that you were obviously meant to be on. <laughs> um, and, and if you don't mind starting there. Of course. Yeah. Um, yeah. So basically as a kid, I did a whole bunch of sports, like very, very little. They got me into everything. I did figure skating and soccer and, and ballet and all of that stuff. So um, always very active child. And then um, eventually, I think I was like six and my parents put me in gymnastics and um, we did that for six years and I was competitive. I was never going to be national team. Um, There was also a lot of drama going on in the club. So it kind of took away from the athletes, um, you know, getting better. So eventually I was like, I don't want to do this. And my parents were like, you got to sit it out. Like you got to see the year out. And if you still don't want to do it at the end of the year, like you can tell them that you're quitting. Um, so we did that and I still ended up leaving and I told the coach on a Monday and one of the other, like, um, like little group coaches who coached me when I started was a diver. And she was like, I didn't know this because I was too young to like, understand that there were other things going on in the world. And, um, she was like, you should try diving. A lot of other, the gymnasts went to diving. And I was like, oh, because we had lost quite a lot of people. We had like a merge from a different club in London, in a different city. And they came to us. So eventually a lot of people were just like, nope, we don't like this and broke off. So I quit on a Monday, called. My parents were like, yeah, we're going to call them because you need to do another sport. You're not just going to be a mall kid. Yeah. So Because we live right across the street from a mall. <laughs> so I called Wednesday, had a tryout on Friday because I didn't want to like start at the very very bottom when I already had the like you know flexibility and agility and flip all that stuff body awareness so we tried out on a Friday and I was on the team on Monday oh my gosh and yeah I remember my first day they wanted me to do like I did a flip but they wanted me to do a one and a half and I was like no (laughs) (laughs) no thank you that's um that's too much for day one yeah um but yeah it was really great I excelled really quickly um given that I had the gymnastic background which was nice because at 12 that's a very late start um they really want you in diving to start like when you're very very little like four or five depending where how um developed your club is in that area so here in Victoria 
um they we want them like young 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 we've got like boardworks junior is kind of like you do fun dive and all of that and then we invite you into the club to like really take on those specific pieces and project your excellence so um and they actually they even start younger with like olympic garden which is really fun because we've had a couple of athletes um you know go to like a very high level start with boardworks yeah. at olympic garden yeah. and so it's really cool they are a part of the recital every session and and they like you get to see kids very very little diving with the kids that are going nationals and and stuff in high school when they come back and and it's really cool yeah and you said um your parents sounds like your parents were pretty involved in in getting you into sport did your parents play sports or did they like what do you think made them push you into sport not push Uh, my parents were both very athletic um my mom ran in high school um, in elementary school. And then she also played softball when she was older. Um, and I think like that, that's how in, when they were in, in university or I'm not sure exactly what they were doing when they met, but my mom worked with the girl. Um, and I think they both played on the same softball team. I was like, Oh, like you should meet some Dennis. And he's friends with my boyfriend and he also played, um, baseball. And so that was, that was kind of how they met. And he played a lot of like hockey and stuff growing up as well. They lived in a very small town. So that was kind of like the main thing you did. So, um, yeah. And so you, are you from Ontario? Yeah. Okay. And then when did you make the transition to Victoria? When I graduated high school, I had to make the decision of like, do I want to keep going in, in diving and make the Olympics? Do I want a scholarship and get my degree in the States? Yeah. Um, it was very difficult when I was graduating to make that decision because a lot at the time, a lot of Canadians that went to the U S were getting, seeing like getting injured and stuff. And so I was like, if I want to make the Olympics, I don't want to get a major injury. Yeah. So I didn't really want to take the SATs. Um, so I was talking to mainly one coach down there and then ultimately like, had to, I made the decision to stay in Canada and then my decision was like okay do I go to Montreal and go to the national center there or do I go to Victoria BC which was at the time the other big club they had a lot of um, national team divers who are like my generation or younger excuse me and so I had met obviously the coach out here and was like okay, I'm thinking of coming. So I did like an extra week here before or after a competition we had and I kind of just like sussed it out and ended up being like the best decision because I don't think I would have excelled in the way that I had in Montreal just because there's there was so many more good people over there that, and I didn't speak French, so it's hard to fit in. Yeah. Um, and here there was, ended up being just me because everybody graduated and left. <laughs> yeah. So I had a lot of attention, which was very very nice because I needed a lot of help to, to change my, I was a good diver, but there was a lot of things that I was just missing because I started so late and we didn't have the time to really focus on it. Um, so I basically got to like start from scratch here and it was really cool. Yeah. When did you know that you're like, "Mm, I'm pretty good at this? Like, (laughs) (laughs) um, I didn't know the level of how good I was very early on, like I knew as a junior diver in Ontario, I quickly became like the best, I hate to say it, but the best athlete, like um, 
I was winning a lot. I was setting records um, in my age groups. And so I, I knew I was good. And then when I won my first nationals in 2008, that was like crazy. Yeah. Like I didn't think that I would ever win a nationals and I kind of just came out of nowhere. So that kind of like sparked a little bit of like, oh, maybe I could actually be better. And then I had all these other bigger goals. Um, but I still was never, once I got to that level, it was never the best. Right, right. I was never, all, like, I never won a nationals after that. I was always like fourth. Right, which is still so, really good. <laughs> um, yeah, like I, like I, I did well. Yeah. But when I was coming up to my competitors at the senior level, it was very different. Right. And so, oh, sorry. No, no, that's okay. Uh, I just, I could just so, so 2008, that's when you won. So was that, so you were junior then? Like, how old were you when you won your first? 16. Okay. So, well, yeah, like a teenager, that's a lot for a 16 year old to take yeah. on. But then, sorry, when you're 16, and then when do you, when you're 18 is that when you go to seniors or when yes. when does the transition happen yeah so your last year of juniors is your last year of high school so 18 okay and then yeah. when you won nationals is that when you're like I maybe you have this dream of going to the olympics yeah so that year kind of everything hit and happened that was the year the olympics in beijing um that was the year obviously I, I was invited to the olympic trials for that year on springboard um so i like got to meet all the athletes officially and dive with them and then watch them compete and like that's when it all was like boom 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 i want to do this i want to yeah. go to the olympics and um yeah it was a crazy time it was just like i remember my mom so it tells me stories like I just I, I think I've blacked out a lot of it because I was so nervous yeah. but she remembers just like the whole night before my my tower competition so this was the funny thing I went to trials for three meter and then two three months later we go to junior nationals and I win platform so I was like Whoa. oh okay and I still did good on three meter like I ended up um, getting third in the junior event that literally the day after my 10 meter event, but I was so nervous and I don't know why, because it wasn't like I was somebody who was gunning for a medal. Yeah. Um, and my mom was just like, you're fine. And like basically holding me in bed, my bed that night, just like trying to get me to fall asleep. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. And then it just kind of all happened. And when I came out here, um, at 18, my coach basically we were doing both we were doing both springboard and tower and after a couple of months I think I did four of my five dives and he was like okay we're just gonna focus on tower for nationals and we had like maybe two months before nationals that year which was back in my hometown so that was kind of cool and then we go back home and go for nationals and where my parents invited the team over for dinner and we, so we drive my hometown, have dinner and we're in the middle of dinner. And Tommy's like, so by the way, like, did you know you're never doing springboard again? And I was like, I'm like intrigued. I'm like, ah, okay. Yeah. I don't mind that. My parents were like, um, what? Yeah. <laughs> Cause like they didn't really know specializing was a thing and they didn't want me to take away opportunity. Yeah. Um, but it ended up being the best yeah. decision. I just wasn't competitive on springboard internationally. So. So if you had to like give a reader's digest version of like someone who didn't know the sport of diving, 
So obviously you've, you've mentioned like three meter springboard, like platform, but how would you describe the differences between them? Like whether it's, you know, technicality or, you know, get points for performance. Like if, if someone, if you just wanted to give someone a snapshot of what the sport of diving is, um, how would you sort of lay that out? Okay. So in the Olympics, you have 10 meter and 10 meter synchro, and that's the platform event, which is um, the highest platform and you only compete 10 meter. There's no other like in-betweens five meter, seven meter, which you can do as a junior. Okay. They have certain rules. They allow you as a junior to compete on different levels in certain age groups. And you have certain um, criteria that you have to do a certain amount of dives on 10 meter at the highest age group. Um, And then springboard is three meter. And they also do three meter synchro in the Olympics. Um, And then as a junior, you also have one meter. So they have a mix and you're doing it all. Um, And springboard obviously moves. So there's a bit more technicality in that and the hurdle. Um, It's really specific and the timing has to be right. You have the same timing on platform like it's you're still going to have that component it's just going to be how you figure that out with your body um is a little bit less complicated than when you do springboard because that thing also moves um but mainly you're like when you get to that level of specialization your body is going to be different how um for a springboard diver, you'd look at them, you put a bunch of divers, um, in a row, especially women, just cause our bodies are so different. Yeah. Um, that if you put them in a row, you could probably pick out who's a springboard diver and who's a platform diver, just based on how their body shape is built. Okay. So what and would be the difference in springboard? You're going to have big legs and oh. like a lower or a smaller upper body. Sometimes, sometimes you can be, um, bigger and you can be taller. Um, and then on platform, you, you have very high level athletes who are kind of built all the way through. I'm very, very broad. And I've, you got to have like 10 meter, that impact is very strong, especially if you're doing it a lot. So you got to have to have that big upper body build and you're going to be kind of thick all the way through. Right. Yeah. Oh, that's interesting. I didn't, I have never really thought, I mean, I watch. I've watched them in the Olympics this year, but I never really, it make, I can kind of like picture some of the divers in my head. So that, that makes sense. Obviously though, it's like a different, it's not a different sport, but just requires different muscles. So that it's funny too. If you look at the men, like, um, men's springboard, they have the biggest quads, like <laughs> the biggest quads. And then you look at 10 meter and they kind of thin out. Yeah. yeah. So it's yeah. like, that's a really good way to look at it too. Um, so what, so what would it, like your training regime look like? It was like, it, I mean, not even just like when you were younger, but I, I guess, especially like leading up to the Olympics, cause you obviously have to wait train. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm assuming. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. The funny thing you say that a lot of people don't really believe in that. Sorry. This light is bothering me. Um, a lot of coaches still don't necessarily think that weight training is important. Um, It is. Not only does it help you build strength, but it's part of recovery and the muscles and your body just being able to keep up and be strong to do what you're doing every day in the pool or on the track or whatever. Um, And so for me, when I was a junior, that wasn't, I didn't have access to that type of training. So when I became a senior, it was, um, 
is very different. Um, the uh, types of training, what we were doing, the amount of it was was very different. Um, and basically we would do three weight sessions a week. Um, I, I started small, obviously when I moved out here, you can't just jump right into it. So it was probably mm -hmm. like an hour, an hour and a half. Um, and now my weight sessions go to like three hours. But for me, like my, I am much more advanced at that level than my teammates. Nobody else does three hour workouts <laughs> in the gym. Like, maybe my coach just like seeing me there. I don't know. <laughs> but sometimes it's excessive. Um, and then you have every evening you have a water workout and the days that you don't have a weight workout, we would add in a second water workout throughout that week. Okay. And we would train Monday to Saturday. So we get Sunday off. Okay. So sometimes two a days. You, we always work. have two a days. Always have two a It days. just depends what that other one is. If oh, it's weights or diving. Okay. I see. And then, I, and then always one day off. Mm -hmm. Did you, did you get homeschooled or no? no. Okay. So as you're sort of building up 16 through 18, really, you are doing these intense workouts, you're traveling and you're attending regular high school. Mm -hmm. Actually, when I was in high school, I lived in a city that was different from diving. And so for me to be able to keep diving, which the schedule was different from what I just described because we didn't have all of those things. We didn't have access to the pool. The club just wasn't as like, it wasn't a high performance training center. Yeah. So I actually lived with a bunch of my teammates to be able to go to school in the city that we trained in. Oh, so no. I had to lie to my school and say that I lived so here so I could go. <laughs> and so we would, my parents would drive me to school in the morning. We would go to school. And then at the end of the day, we would go to practice. And then depending on where we were in later in the career, we eventually got a morning session. So I would sleep over at my place in London. We would go and have a quick session in the morning, maybe like twice a week. I, it was so infrequent. I don't even remember yeah. how many times we actually did it. Um, and then, so we were just trying to elevate it in different ways. Um, but there we didn't have weights. So it was diving every single day, nothing else other than dry land. Yeah. And we would do like we would dive also on a Saturday. So now when I moved to Victoria, basically it was diving Monday to Friday, one to two times a day. And so you'd have five, six, seven, eight water sessions a week, whereas I only had five before. Right. Um, and then we would do weights on the Saturday. But in London, when I was a junior, it was Monday to Friday plus Saturday water. Right. So it was like six. And then when you moved to Victoria, like, I think you said that you're working at Lulu now, is that mm. correct? So you, were you ever just like full-time, all I'm doing is training or have you always sort of like, you know, picked up a part-time job? Like what, what's that look like for you? So when I came out here, um, I was also going to UVic. And so I was doing full-time school and full-time diving when I first started and I just moved away from home. Like I lived with a family, like a house, a room out in a house um, who kind of sold their rooms to other people going to UVic. Um, so it wasn't anywhere close to the, the pool. It was right across from the school. And so it was a lot of bus travel because I didn't have a car. Um, it was all very messy. Yeah. And I was like, I don't know if I can do 
four classes and dive and take a bus and not have a schedule that's like it's set but can't guarantee a bus is going to be there all the time like it was very it just didn't work so I was like hey maybe I won't go to school maybe I'll just focus on diving so I took a semester off of school and I just did diving after my first year honestly like I don't know how I did it but I did really really good in diving like I excelled given everything I was like that's super weird even my coach wasn't expecting it so the next year I was like oh maybe I'll get even better and I'll just go to school or just go to diving and then I didn't work I got worse and and I also like at this point in my second year I didn't have friends in Victoria it was very difficult to meet people um to like I wasn't actually in classes to meet people I was just going to school and then going to diving right after so it wasn't like I could socialize so I didn't have any friends I wasn't going to class I like I lived closer to the pool so there was no like meeting people on a bus or whatever um and so I think I just didn't have a balance and my performance dropped and so it was very it was a very delicate process of figuring out what works best for me to be able to perform, what works best for me to be able to still do well in school, because I'm like, that's important to me. Um, How can I still gain a social life? Um, And eventually it took me like three years to meet friends in Victoria and like start to build that other aspect of my life here, especially without my family. Um, It was really difficult. Um, Eventually we found it. It was like, three classes first semester because we're not traveling and then two classes second semester and so I was still full-time school yeah. and full-time diving um, and then eventually throughout that I got a part-time job on top of school and diving um, so I tried to like take on a lot but with like I there was a I needed to get a job at one point in time because I wasn't on the senior team for a year right. in me being out here so I got my funding taken away so it was like, it was a mess. Yeah. Um, a but ever since then, I've always had a part-time or full-time job. Um, and I could take on more work once school was over. So. Yeah. And Lululemon sort of seems like probably such a supportive business to be a part of or organization to be a part of because they're, I think they're used to having a lot of high performers, especially in Victoria, for some reason, like with the rugby team being nearby, like we've uh, had a lot of athletes on the roster. Yeah. That's for sure. yeah. <laughs> yeah. So that's good. I'm, I'm assuming that they were super supportive. Um, mm. would you, would you describe yourself an introvert or an extrovert? It's funny. We have, I mean, I took psychology. So that question came up a lot in our classes. And I would used to say I'm an introvert and I would only say, I feel like I say that like everybody else because they're shy. Yeah. 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 I'm not shy. I've learned. I like, I can get quiet and like take a step back because I don't love being center of attention, but I'm also like that performer, you know? So I have a little bit of it in me, like to be standing on a 10 meter platform in front of a whole bunch of people and be able to do something really well. You're a bit of, you've got to be a bit of a performer in you. So Um, and like when I am comfortable, I'm very outgoing and I like want people to feel comfortable and be, feel like they're a part of a group if we're in a group setting or whatever. So, uh, yeah, I think I'm definitely much more extroverted. I'm more introverted than when I was a kid. I think, um, I have met my best friend and I got separated and she, 
um, ended up working for this company at Berkman and they do like personality tests to see how you work best in the company, like where, how they, other people can work with you and how that excels your company. And so I took the test and she was like, you, you didn't write that. You didn't answer these questions correctly. She remembers me constantly needing to be with people to make myself feel better. Yeah. And I, once I grew up, I wasn't like that. I like my alone time and I like, you know, being able to think things through on my own and communicate with others. So it was very different. She was like, no, no, this isn't right. You're not an introvert, introverted a little bit, a little bit, but definitely an extrovert. Um, when you are sort of like debriefing your performance or like post performance, do you prefer to talk it out like with someone or do you prefer to take time and sort of think through it or write through it? Like what's your process even pre or post performance or both? I've learned that I talk it out. Yeah. I learned at the games that I talk, um, and I, I think it was my sports like actually telling me this because she was there at the beginning with rowing and then ended up leaving once they were done. And so I had to like get on the phone with her and then talk and um, like, and I'm okay not to, I will find someone if I need to, but my coach, something had come up. He had had a conversation with me and another teammate um, a couple of days before my event. And what he had said, put a lot of pressure on me. And I was like, I think that conversation was meant to do so much good, but I think it did a little bit of harm rather than good. And so the next day I had went to go talk to him about it and he's not a talker. (laughs) He was basically just like, that's not what I meant. Let it go. And then that was the end of conversation. And I was like, no, 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 I'm not making a big deal of it. I just need to get it out there so that you know that I, I thought that Yeah, it doesn't need to be a conversation. It just needs to be said. And I think that goes for a lot of the things. Like there was another moment in that when I was competing, I was like, okay, I don't want to talk about this, but this is how I feel. And he's like, yep, that makes sense. Moving on. (laughs) You just need to like get it out of you. Yeah. Yeah. So you had a, uh, like a sports psych, is it through Pisces that would, the sports psych person or? She works with with Pisces I that must have been how we met because another thing that's been really difficult it, getting and growing has been mental health in our sport yeah. we never before me I don't believe we ever had a sports site connected with Diving Canada um, and then eventually I think my generation was like no no we need this yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so then I remember like when I'd started talking to someone someone in Montreal I started talking to someone as well, kind of around that time. So it was built in a little bit, but yeah, my um, person was like directed to us via CSI. And then were you directed to see them like a certain amount of times a week or they were just sort of, you arranged it at your own? Uh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. We would do it. We would do it on our, our own. We'd have our own conversations. I ended up seeing her like quite a bit, yeah. be at least for a while. It was like once a week and then it was once every two weeks. Um, we established that relationship and like, I learned I've been with her a long time now. So I kind of like got to a point where the last two year because of COVID obviously made it difficult to see each other. Um, And then that last year in 2020 took on, they gave her many more athletes. Yeah. So I didn't have as much of her time. Um, 
but it was nice because I'd already built such a background with her that I didn't need to see her all the time. Yeah. It was only like when I was desperate or stressed or like, it's like, okay, we need to talk. (laughs) And then we would see each other. Yeah. And I heard, I think it was in one of the interviews I listened to, um, you sort of talked about visualization and the importance of things like muscle memory. Is that where you picked up those skills through the sports psych person? Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah, within our sport, like you do a lot of visualization and, and physical, like, um, when you practice the repetitive movements over like in your body, like you would, um, if you see a lot of, if you watch it, um, a lot of the time you'll see athletes doing like their little movements before they go with their coach or whatever. I don't do that anymore necessarily. Um, I used to a lot because I, I think for me, it was kind of like a crutch or just like, like a safety net. And then eventually I was like, I'm wasting energy on this. I don't need it. (laughs) So it was more like I could do it in my head. And that skill I built with Christy, um, I would do really, really great in practice, but wouldn't in competition. And I was like, I don't, everyone keeps saying make competition like practice. And like, that didn't work for me because you're not nervous in practice. Yeah. Yeah. So you are always going to be nervous in competition. So it's never going to be the same. It's just, it's not possible to make that happen. So we started making practice like competition and raising the, the like level of intensity in a practice. And I noticed over the last couple of years, like I never got to that level of intensity, like in a practice, which was difficult, but there was a good amount of time where I wasn't necessarily, um, at obviously that Olympic level that I would still, I could still make myself nervous. So I basically, Tommy made this, um, workout, um, plan and, I would come in during the week and he'd be like, okay, it's Wednesday. We're doing 10 meter and we're doing numbers today. And I was like, so that meant like every dive I would do three to five. And, um, it started out with in one of those three to five dives, he's going to say, okay, this is competition. Okay. That's how he raised the intensity. Yeah. And then the next time we would get used to that, he'd then change it. And then every dive he was going to score, but then one of them, he's going to, Oh, this is the one that matters. And so you'd have your average at the end of the day, you'd have your average list of scores of of your average number of dive, but then you'd have a competition list in that average list. Right. So it made it it just like constantly raising the intensity. When I figured that out and, and was comfortable and doing that more often, I then started visualizing with Christy, like every dive I did, no matter whether we were doing numbers or not, I would go up the platform how I would in a competition. And then I would say in my head, like right before I'm on 10 meter, before I walk up there, I like visualize someone going in my head before me, like they would in a competition. And then I would say, and we have a a performer, his name's, or an announcer named Rod, Rod McCormick. And he's been around since I can remember. And I just hear his voice so clearly in my head. So I would hear like Selena Toth doing a 305Z, DD 2.8. And then I would, and it would be in his voice in my head. And then everybody would cheer. 
and then you'd hear the whistle and then I would visualize me doing the dive and then I'd walk on to the platform and then I Tommy would like calm me down like yep it's like 10 meter and then I'd kind of right before he say that I kind of would do the same thing again one more time in my head so that when he's calling me Rod's saying it I'm walking to the end of the tower and I'm going and did you find was that useful like do you feel you felt it in your body the same sort of emotions or feelings yeah at first I didn't really think that this was gonna work I was like eh, whatever I'll try it like a lot of things psychological wise because of the influences that I've had in my past I didn't always buy into it right away but like I had someone who was putting their time and effort into me to make me better so I made sure that it was my homework I did it every day it was a part of my training now um and after that first competition of I didn't do it right away every dive and then I started to do more eventually before I went to that first competition I had been doing it every single dive every single day and I my competition I was so much calmer I felt very and it was like almost immediate like this this change I had built up this routine that I had done every single day so it's like competition wasn't new the only thing that was new was like there was actual people like it was an actual competition and I had it was kind of like all of that body preparation that those athletes do right before like their physical practice just in like I was doing it, but in my head and kind of physically practicing every competition every day. And I had that to fall back on. So when I was nervous, I was just like, okay, well, I have something that I built that I believe in and it worked. And so I noticed when we didn't have competition for a year and a half, that I didn't like practice I didn't continue to practice that Um, and it was hard to like when we started actually practicing not knowing if we were going to have a competition or not I didn't practice it again every day Um, so when we did have our first competition I was like holy crap that was my first real introduction to how much well technically it was my second but how much competition is a muscle because I I built that muscle yeah. doing that practice every day, not having done it for during COVID. And then when we got to a competition, it was like, whoa, I did so much work before and now I haven't done it. It's way harder. Yeah. Where, where do you think pressure comes for you? Like, do you think if it like, is it in an internal pressure you put on yourself or like, do you feel it from like external things like a cr- the crowd or like, where do you think does that it's question? Everywhere. It's everywhere. <laughs> Um, of course I want to always do better and I have performance goals, every competition. Um, so it comes from myself. It also comes from my coach, um, because he has those expectations of me too. But I think that, um, depends on like the type of relationship we're in at the moment. (laughs) Like (laughs) if he's angry or if we're not have, if we're not like cohesive in that moment, like there's going to be a net, like not a negative pressure, but it's, I'm going to feel differently than if we're working together type of pressure. It, it doesn't feel like he's, we're a team in that situation. It feels yeah. more like, well, if I mess up, he's going to be really mad at me. Um, so there's that kind of pressure. Um, and then there's also like performance pressure. Like I have a standard to set for Canada and for 
Mitch and Team Canada, Diving Canada, all that stuff. Like there's always that, especially when you're at a position of, of the year where you have to get a certain score to be able to be on the team for the next year. There's always something, um, which is good because that like drives you ultimately, like unless you just do it because you absolutely love it. Like there's always going to be something else added to it, which for me is good. Like I think a lot of people have said in the past that I do well under pressure. Um, I still don't know if I really believe that (laughs) because if it's too much, you can go in the opposite way. So would you say are you what happened at the game uh oh sorry would you say you're an overthinker do you overthink things or is it or sometimes or a worrier are you a worrier Uh, no okay (laughs) probably yeah it probably I I probably would say so I definitely am in other aspects of my life like my relationships I overthink everything so it probably comes in um yeah, I think I think a little bit. I'm trying to remember my experience at the games. Um, I think once I missed my first dive and I kind of got into that, I couldn't get into a rhythm. And I think it was because I was like, there was just so much. One, not having competed internationally in two years. Yeah. Um, and then having missed my best dive that I never miss. Yeah. Like it's weird if I miss it. And not being able to recover. I was like, I panicked. And I was like, I need to do so. Like, I need to get out of here. I need to treat. And I, so it was like every round I tried something different to get myself back. And it's like, I never gave up, but also at the same time, sometimes I think maybe I just tried too hard. Maybe I just thought too much. Maybe like, you know. Yeah. You you take away from the, um, like that subconscious, like just operating off the muscle memory and, and yeah, trying something new. So, so maybe your, you know, your conscious brain is a little more involved. Um, but how do you typically, so you have your visualization, I'm sure that helps with the pressure, like you said, but like, I know again, in, in one of the videos I watched about you, (laughs) you talked about like mantras and like self-talk, like, does that come into play? um, at all when you're sort of prepping for your competition or just like on the day-to-day practicing? Um, I, it did before. I wouldn't say that it was something that I used late, like previous, like very, very recently. Um, I think it just all depends on what kind of stage of the, of the process of the year I'm in. Um, when you're competing multiple times in a row, I don't feel like it's, I don't need to encourage myself unless I'm like really struggling with something. Um, when you're in it, you're just kind of in it and it flows unless like you sometimes, um, I've had like inward is one of my technically good dives. Like I don't need to think about technical pieces. I just like, there are certain cues, but then sometimes at the, say the beginning of a season, I'll go to a meet and all of a sudden I don't, I can't do something that's just naturally done in my body. And it technically messes me up Yeah, and then it gets in my head. Yeah, And so that's when I found that I do a lot of like self-talk and, and just kind of like trying to get your mind back and letting your body just let go it's like okay yeah yeah, you're fine you know what you're doing you've done this forever like yeah yeah, just trying to like let that go that kind of and uh and so like now that we're sort of talking about the olympics what what was your olympic experience like like 
was it everything you imagined and more or was it you know um, what I mean? like I can't say that it was anything that I had dreamt um just because obviously COVID like yeah there was so, sorry minimal fans right or no fans in no a lot fans. of cases yeah okay just other athletes that um are divers like yeah swimmers didn't come watch us synchro swim, well, swimming was gone but synchro didn't come watch um you could go to events that were in your venue so we had swimmings at the beginning and then synchro swimming in the end um but you could just be too tired and then synchro swimming their music would play um during our training so like it was so cool to watch that level of um like synchro like that was so cool um but it was very frustrating also because their music is just so loud while our sport is quiet yeah so it was it was another challenge to have to focus and really zone in when we were there which was like great but also at the same time it's like really annoying yeah but it was really cool to like be able to see something else because at the games you didn't like this year you went to the village and the venue you couldn't go to any other venue watch any other sport unless it was on tv in our rooms um so that aspect of the olympics and like yeah how big it is yeah wasn't there right until the day of my competition <laughs> like, <laughs> I was literally fine the whole time confident I honestly like this year has probably been the best year I've ever dove like for me my performance wise even though we don't have competitions to show it yeah. I really think on a daily basis I'd never been diving better and then when we got to trials obviously my performance on that was shown on tv and in the competition was not my best. There were dives that I did throughout the three events that show what I did, but I didn't do it all at once. And then my last dive was to like, just ruined the whole thing for me. I thought I didn't even qualify. So basically right after we closed that chapter on trials, I was back to being me and I didn't miss a dive for an entire month until my first dive in the games. Right. So I was so good, like confident, like not overconfident, like in that good level of like, I am good. I'm nervous, but not too nervous. I'm excited to be here. We're having fun. Um, everybody was complimenting me. My coach didn't get to go to the games with me from day one. He got there a couple of days before the competition. Yeah. So every he got to experience like watching me via my videos that we took yeah. um, and then having all the coaches from other countries be like, oh my gosh, she looks great. Like, congratulations. Yeah. Blah, blah, blah. <laughs> um, and then the fact that I was even there was like a big deal. I'm very like friendly and open with other athletes and coaches across the, the world. So for them to come up to me and be like, oh my God, we're so happy you made it. Like it was a big deal for everybody that's been a part of my journey. Yeah. And that includes my competitors and my friends. So that was really cool to, to see everybody else be excited for me because I think once I get there internationally, I'm solid. It's getting there yeah. is the hard part. Like my depth in, in our, my sport or depth in Canada is so strong like Meg and Kaylee and I and Elena and there's a couple other girls coming up like it's not easy to qualify for the Olympics but once I got there for me I've had such a strong presence on the international stage on the Grand Prix level that that I knew I was I was going to be okay 
like yeah. us Canadians in general in my event are strong internationally. So I think if we all, the three of us all got to compete, like, and it was a normal year and we were in a normal progression, we all be in the final. Right. Obviously right. you can't have three Canadians in an event, but yeah, um, yeah we're, so we're strong. Uh, so it was really kind of upsetting to have that performance, just miss my easiest dive and not be able to recover from it. Yeah. Um, just couldn't get a rhythm. I haven't done a competition in a year and a half. It hasn't, I haven't done one that big yeah. in a really long time, like since 2018. So it was, um, yeah, it was, uh, I wouldn't say I wasn't prepared because diving physically, my dives, I was prepared, yeah. but there are other aspects that I guess I just wasn't prepared for. Yeah. Um, and I don't think that you could really like acknowledge that beforehand. Like there wasn't anything I could do to really prep myself for those things that threw me off. So, yeah. so how have you sort of worked through like that disappointment that you have felt post post games yeah. or maybe you still feel it and that's okay too. I still do. Um, I I hit my last dive and my back three and a half is, has been my nemesis for a couple of years, the year of the games and like COVID time, I was still going back and forth. Like, am I going to do this dive? Cause it doesn't physically look like I can do that. So the fact that I finally figured it out at the games <laughs> was <laughs> like a big accomplishment for me. So I wasn't like when I hit, I, I obviously missed it a little bit. It wasn't the best I've ever done, but I did all the exact things that I needed to do on it. So if it had been the semifinal, I would have put it down. Yeah. And that's never clicked so easily for me on that dive ever until we were there. Yeah. And it was just the nerves of the competition that it didn't go down right. But if I had more time, I could have, and that was all I wanted to do. Yeah. I just wanted to put all my dives down in one event the way I've been doing them. And I was like so sad that I didn't have another opportunity because I've never not had another opportunity to, right. to make up for it. Right. And so I'm sitting there being like, I'm not done. I'm not done. Like immediately I texted, I said to Tommy, I was like, I'm not done. And he was like, but sorry, but we are done. And I'm like, no, like, and in my mind, I'm saying like, yeah, obviously I know I'm not going on to the semis, but we're not done. Yeah. I'm not done here. Yeah. I'm not done with diving. I'm not done doing this. Yeah. And he was like, Oh, let's go talk. And so we like leave the deck, go into the dryland room, and he starts, he's like, You can't make that decision right now. You just did your last dive of the event. Like, like we're not, we're not having this conversation now because I had had this whole plan to be like, I made the Olympics. That was the goal. Of course, obviously you make new goals yeah. <laughs> once you yeah. achieve one. Um, and like, you shouldn't have been here. Of all of me growing up in the sport and all of my competitors who I've gone through my age light range, I should have been like the 10th one to make the Olympics. There should have been 10 people before me who, if they stuck it out, they would have qualified. So it's like talent wise, based off of who I've grown up with, I wasn't the chosen one. So the fact that I got there was like, okay, we just got to take that in for a moment and you've yeah. got to like, let go of all. And yeah, like, yeah. it's so hard to do that. Like I still haven't done that. 
So it's like, I'm not, I was, I had a plan. I qualified for the Olympics. I was going to school, finishing my master's and I was moving on and it was already set up. I had everything lined up. And so as soon as I finished that last dive and didn't make the semi, I was like, well, now it's all up in a mess. Like I'm not, none of my plan is going to work out because I wasn't done, but I can't make that decision. Yeah. Two minutes after the Olympics, I can't make that decision already a month and a half out. Like I can't, I'm not there. And every day I'm still sitting here, like going back and forth. Like on one, one hand, I'm really, really happy that that we did it. And yes, I was the 10th person in line technically and I made it and I persevered. And like, I am so proud of myself and every person that's helped me get there. Like I didn't do this alone. And so I am so proud, but on the other hand, like I didn't live up to my full potential in that moment. And I know it doesn't happen for everyone all the time. And sometimes it never happens. Um, but this I'm not satisfied and so I technically the Olympics is only three years away now it's not four so it's very different um and I this year I finally had all my dives in my back pocket all of them for a month worth of time (laughs) I'm not happy like I want more um and I physically can still do it yes I am on the older side for my event I was like the third oldest in in the competition at 29 which is like not that old yeah Um, but physically like your body just starts to deteriorate at landing off of 10 meters so many times injuries happen easier um but I think I've been a luckier athlete to have the team to build my body to be prepared to do this for longer Mm -hmm. um starting late maybe have helped me with that because if you start younger you have more t- period of time where your body is a little bit more yeah, used and, tear, yeah. and if you go up on 10 meter earlier that's harder on your body earlier when you're developing yeah so I was already more developed in my body when I started doing 10 meter so might have that might have prolonged my my career I we don't know yeah. but I think um I have an, an advantage over some people being the physical shape that I'm in. I just, so if I decide to, to, to go another three, I'll be 32. Yeah. Um, so I'll be probably the oldest one in the event. Yeah. Um, but I think that if I can keep up my physicality in the next three years, like I, I think I'm, I could be just as much of a threat then, then as I was now. Yeah. And having the experience behind you as well and having, cause it's so hard. Like you said, it, you, it, it is the same event. It is the same sport, but, it, but sometimes it does feel different on that, on that stage. And, and unless you experience it, um, it's hard to know. Yes. And it's funny you say that because I had this realization in the event, um, I've been around the international scene for quite some time. I know all of the good, like amazing divers. I've met them. I know them. I've watched them dive. And everybody always says, oh, like the prelim, whatever, like you just got to get through it. And I've always known that, like it's for myself, it's been hard to get through a prelim, but like divers who could win, miss a dive or two, depending on the event. And they don't make the semi. 
and they could win. Yeah. And it was like, oh, like I've never experienced that myself where, yeah, I've missed a couple dives, but in women's 10 meter, there's more flexibility and range to be able to miss and still move on. And in this competition, obviously that wasn't the case. Um, and I'd never experienced that myself. And I was literally in the event on my second round. And I said to Tommy, I get it now. And yeah. he was like, get what? I'm like being a good athlete and still missing and how like crazy that is. And Small just like margin of error. Yeah. Having that happen in the moment, I think also played a huge like mental game on me because it was like, okay, well, this is a new challenge. How do I figure this out? And I'm like, no, no, you can't be figuring stuff out in the event. You just got to do it. Yeah. So going into the next games, definitely already have that under my belt. Yeah. Learn from that and literally just shut it all off. Yeah. Um, so are, are you diving right now? Or are you totally uh, taking time off? Like, are you in the pool or like, what's uh, are you taking a little break? I'm taking a break. Yeah. Um, that being said, like, um, I started, I went back to the gym. I still have access to my team at CSI. Um, so I'm still going into the gym and basically I have had growing up like body image, um, issues for myself. Like that was something that drove and was a, a me and was like a big part of my story. Yeah. Um, not necessarily in a good way, uh, actually not in a good way. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so I got to a point, I took like a month off, I guess a month and a bit. And I was like, okay, I'm starting not to like how I look. I need to get back into the gym. Which is like, I really wish that that wasn't the driving factor that got me back in. But so I've gone like a couple of times. It's only been like a couple of weeks and I'm still working now like full time. So I'm coming back slowly because I don't know if I really want to keep diving or not. I'm obviously still have things that I feel I need to do. Um, so and then I but I'm not diving, but I did go to my first dryland session yesterday I went back to the pool and like saw the kids and like the teams, the groups have kind of been rearranged. So I was, it was really interested to see what it was going to be like for, for the new groups. And, yeah. and I ended up going to a morning practice and doing all of the dry land with them, like stomach flips on the tramp, like yeah. everything, but I didn't get in the water. So I think that is that piece. Like I just need separation from the water Yeah. for some time. I don't know how long, um, and I don't like who every, every day, like I said, I'm up and down and every day it switches. Um, but what I think I'm holding on to, like, obviously that moment in the event, not being done, that was very, very strong yeah. going to the pool the next day, being able to watch or having to watch my, the girls that I compete against, knowing I should be there. Yeah. That was hard. Yeah. And th those were such polarizing reactions in the, mo like that day of, and then the next day, I still am having those things. Yeah. Um, and, but something that now it's been a month and a half and I haven't really talked, like I talk about it, but I'm not, I don't feel like I'm really like thinking about it, but I also don't think that that's necessarily going to get me through it either. I think I just need time to yeah. let it fade, but I wrote it's national coaches week this week. And I wrote an appreciation post and posted photos of my, me and my coach from the games. Yeah. And um, a couple of people on Facebook and I have like some followers, obviously gain, I gained some followers at the games. So yeah. people will write things who I don't know. And then people who 
have like regulars at the pool who used to watch, they would do AquaFit while we were training. So they watched and that was really cool. And so they've kind of followed me on Facebook and would comment. And it's been such a pleasure watching you over the years. Like it's, you've been so great. And I'm like, good luck with the future. Yeah. And it sounds so finalized. Like I'm like, they're saying you're done. Yeah. And I'm like, I, that's not necessarily what they're saying because yeah. they don't know me. They yeah. don't really know what my plans are, but it's stirring up some like frustration and anger because it, yeah. it sounds when I'm reading it, it sounds like everybody thinks I'm done. Right. But I haven't said that. Yeah. So like, I feel like that might be kind of fueling me. I've always wanted to prove people wrong. That's how I felt that my career has gone. Yeah. And in this moment I feel like I'm still doing that oh you think I'm retired to watch this yeah exactly yeah (laughs) yeah so So. do you feel like maybe you just you you don't have the closure that you want to to like make that decision right now I guess yeah and I don't think that 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 closure is going to be a medal at the Olympics yeah like if I do keep diving that doesn't mean I go to the next games I just want to feel like, I'm just not happy with that last round. Right. Like, I think if I made the semi and I did well and I did a list that was good but didn't make the final, I'd be more satisfied. Right. Like, so I just that I didn't do my dives how I can do them. And I don't want to end on that. Yeah. Yeah. You're more interested in being, like, your best as opposed to, like, the okay. best. That's that's ultimately how you how you want to feel about yeah is that accurate yeah yeah um well I think it's amazing everything you've done I know it's a lot to I know it's a lot to process I have also competed on a like a international level not at the Olympics but um I know it's different even though they say like oh like the basketball court's the same size like hoops in the same spot it's just like it is it is a a different feeling at least for me um so while I Sorry, but when you see those things, like if say you go to a Worlds and you have that that logo of like that year changes everything. You don't think it does, but then like the rings, I wasn't nervous that we were at the Olympics. As soon as I stood up on that board, the rings are right there in front of you. You're staring at it. There are cameras there, but you still see it. And even though you don't think it's nerve wracking, it changes. It's you're something different once they say your name and you're doing what you need to do yeah and like that's on every level no matter how veteran or new you know that you are yeah I'm sure it just gets a little bit better each time you do it which is why like when you see people like even just swimmers like Katie Ledecky like she's been an American swimmer for so long like it's you just like, it's, it's like you put another like layer of foundation down, like, okay, like I've been here before. I know I can do this. I've seen this. Um, okay. I have just a couple more questions. It's 10 o'clock. Um, um, I want to know what are you looking forward to the most right now in your life? Oh, um, so I said earlier that I had a plan and everything was set um, things changed, but I still have a similar plan. Um, I'm going to school. I haven't been accepted yet, but it's like, it's happening. I'm going to go to school in the States and coach, um, 
unofficially down in South Carolina. Um, and so I'm going to go and get my master's of social work and I'm going to coach alongside of that. Um, so that was kind of my, like, that was my goal and everything was set up to do that in Arkansas before I left, but then some things happened, change. We're now moving schools. Um, but I might also dive while I'm down. It's like, I have that option to continue training with the team there while I'm coaching them, if that's what I want. Um, but I'm going to school, I'm getting my master's, I'm going to do all of that. Um, but it also gives me that opportunity to kind of do something else in the sport and fade out if that's what I want and kind of transition into something else. Yeah. So yeah, that is exciting. Yeah. So you have lots on the horizon that you're sort of looking towards. Yeah. That's good. Okay. My last one, they're just like little quick bits. Um, so just say whatever first comes to your mind, whether it's one word, whether you feel like you need to explain it, it it doesn't matter. Um, so a book that you think everyone should read. Oh, uh, Harry Potter. (laughs) Yes. Oh my God. So good. (laughs) That was the first one that came into my head and I was like, wait, no, I can't say that. And I was like, no, yeah. Okay. (laughs) Um, (laughs) A podcast that you're listening to right now. Oh, One Tree Hill recap. Oh, um, what's it called? Drama Queens. It's so good. Really? Oh my God. The women from the show are now going back and watching all the episodes and they do a podcast after each one and kind of like explain it and talk about it all. And I loved that show when I was a kid. So reliving it now. It's really nice. That's awesome. Um, Okay. The most important thing in life is. For me, it's my relationships with, with people. Um, they get you through, they help you out, they make you happy. Um, and when it's hard, it gets better and they're always there. So, yeah. Uh, what I know for sure is nothing. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I'm proud of myself for the 12 year old who could never picture themselves at the Olympics and had told everyone told me no that I stood up there. I am proud. Good. Um, as you should be. Um, okay. Last one. Hard work means. Um, never giving up. That's awesome. Okay. Thank you so much for meeting with me. Oh my goodness. Thank you. I'm (laughs) I'm so glad it took so so sorry it took so long. I'm just glad that we could get it done because like for me, it sucked that, you know, I was the only one, one of very few who knew that they were going to be on, didn't know that they were going to be on the team. So it was so late to qualify that we literally from the day I qualified to the day we went into blackout period, it was one week. So every like media day for the team was the Friday after we qualified, I qualified on Thursday. And then after that, they were like, no more media or it went through like Jeff, like I had directed you. And I had actually gotten in trouble for asking to do one specific one while we were there. Um, and people were like, and then there was another woman who I've done podcasts before, who was my coach in, in train weight, weight training for a summer. 
who I really wanted to talk to. And I didn't know about this blackout period. I just knew that media day was Friday, but because I didn't know I was going to be on the team, nobody knew that I was like media wise or like people from my hometown, people from Victoria. Yeah. By the time they knew it was blackout period. Yeah. <laughs> like, that's not fair. Yeah. Yeah. So quick turnaround. And I had gotten in trouble because I'd scheduled, I was like, I don't have anything else to do. I'm rooming by myself. I'm in Toronto. Like I can't go anywhere. It's COVID. Yeah. Why can't I do a podcast during so many rules, but no, I got in trouble for sneaking some things in. (laughs) Such a rebel. Um, It's funny because I feel like on a lot of the interviews and podcasts that I've taught people I've talked to, a lot of it is kind of the same conversation. Yeah. Um, and this is like my first one post games. Um, I still feel like I could talk about a lot of the same things. And I didn't. We didn't talk about really any. A lot of the time, like I did mention body image. Yeah. But we didn't talk about it. And that's usually like a big thing that I've talked about. So it was nice. Like at, this was good. Oh, I good. like. Yeah, no, it was very refreshing. So I'm just like super thankful. I was like, it's very cool to meet you. I like congratulations on everything and regardless of where you go, um, I think you're going to be successful. All right. Kate, thank you so much. I really appreciate your time. I appreciate you. um, And I will message you when this is all coming out. Perfect. Can't wait. Okay. Thank you. Thank you. Bye. Bye.